0: We're back. My name is Mike Dice. Elias Sepeda. This is the third episode of the Extra Rounds podcast coming to you live. Well, kind of live from Chicago. At one
1: point, we were live.
0: Yeah. Temporarily delayed. <laughs> That's a good way to phrase it. Uh, from Chicago. We're working on getting it live. We're almost there. But we have a great show. We want to break down uh, some stuff that happened in the UFC since the last time we hosted the podcast, uh, UFC in Salt Lake City. Uh, there was the UFC 202 conference call with Conor McGregor, so you know that was loaded with sound bites. And uh, then we wanted to welcome on a couple of guests. We have Lex McMahon of Titan Fighting and Stefan Struve, a UFC heavyweight, both joining us separately to talk uh, about MMA, but mainly to talk about their project uh, Helping Veterans, uh, yeah. at Heroes USA. Um, so, we're looking forward to that later in the show. But uh, first things first, let's jump right into it. So, UFC Salt Lake City <laughs> was supposedly a fairly entertaining show. Neither one of us watched it. It's a word
1: on the street that it was a good, good card.
0: I didn't watch it. I would have watched it, but the reason why I didn't watch it was because my satellite uh, was not cooperating. There was this stupid adapter that wouldn't work. So I missed it, and I got frustrated. The internet that we have at home is not the best, so I gave up on the live stream.
1: Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have that good of a reason. I just the, the weekends, the Saturdays off have been few and far between for the last four years. I didn't we weren't doing our uh, our post wrap up live show so I I used that as a good excuse to eat pizzas and then go to
0: sleep I well, enjoyed it. You know there's uh so many shows and especially in the fallout from fight week yeah. that it becomes almost difficult to like keep up with Because you know, yeah. there's three nights of fights in fight week then they fight midweek then they fight the next Saturday then there's the UFC on Fox in Chicago then after that there was UFC 201 and It's like this was a breather, right? Needed, and then once we get through this week, there's no fights this weekend. Next week's the build up to 202. Then it's uh, only two weeks after that is 203. You know, so then it's like it picks right back up into that. that I mean, road. it is hard to keep up with.
1: I'm not complaining. Like it's it's an awesome problem
0: to have. This many fight like
1: we have. If you take all the teams in Major League Baseball and you count all their games, like how many baseball games are there in season? So I'm not complaining. I just uh, I'll take I'll take the week off when I have it. I am going to watch some in replay though. There are some fighters on that card that I really really like, including the two on the, the main event. Um, so I am going to watch it in replay. But no, I definitely did not watch so it live.
0: The Rangers because I'm from Dallas. The yeah. ra- when the Rangers wa- well, went to the World Series in like 2010 or 11. Uh, you know, I jumped on the bandwagon late and I watched I watched all the playoff games, but then the next year I was like, I'm watching every game, and like I did really well for a week. <laughs> <laughs> it just got to be too much and then the same thing with the cubs cuz now that i live and we're yeah. living you know live in chicago and i live really close to Wrigley and you see all the people going to the games it's hard not to get swept up into yeah. it and then after last year I was, this year i was like i'm going to watch all the games all the games i lasted a little bit further like maybe two and a half three That's weeks impressive. and then it was just this is just too much i haven't been good at about fo- as good at following
1: other sports other than boxing and mma since for well over a decade probably since i started covering boxing and mma for a living, like when I was a kid, I would watch. I was a basketball fan and watched the Bulls Grew up here in Chicago. I was I watched most of the games for like a lot of those, a lot of those years. Watched a lot of White Sox games. Have not been good about it since then in terms of like that frequency. There's just you know when you, when you have, you have MMA and you have boxing
0: it's tough to find any time we'll see th- like I, i'm good about watching every cowboys game mm. but it's like mm. once a week right football's easier so you got one team that's your favorite you got 16 right. games yeah no that's doable with mma i think it's doable more often than not because mm-hmm. it's one week uh one week or one day a week right and most often than not it's three week, uh three days a month yeah. unless you for ufc cards you know then you have bellator and stuff sprinkled in and sometimes they have multiple events. In a month, which really makes things crazy. Like June, they had two yeah. events, I think, in back to back weeks. Or, um, anyways, it, it can get to be a lot. But so we're making
1: a lot of excuses to validate the fact that we didn't watch this past right. weekend. <laughs> I don't know if we're trying to justify it
0: to them or ourselves. <laughs> That's but i right. was ashamed. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Yair Rodriguez is thoroughly entertaining. So, yeah. like, I'm gonna go back and watch that fight. And so I is heard. Alex Cerraz. You know, yeah. like a great fight. And Rodriguez is, I think, an intriguing prospect. absolutely he's putting together wins and it's only a while before we um see him burst onto the scene further and as far as like mexican mma goes it's kind of like an untapped area i feel like Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. there's more potential in terms of athletes and fighters that we haven't even like tapped into yet you have big names like kane or henry cejudo but they're uh I think more viewed as American, right, that sense. right, 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 because they really grew up here. Yeah, right. yeah,
1: yeah. Rodriguez lives in in Chicago now, but he's, he's Mexican. He was from right. Mexico. Yeah,
0: yeah. He was on uh, Latin America right. Ultimate Fighter right, and all an that. Right, right. So, um,
1: well, there's some good fighters. Like everyone knows that, right? Like there's good Mexican fighters in the world, and I think now we're starting to get a peek of that in
0: MMA. He's one of those guys who's like really nice in person, but he can be soft spoken at times <laughs> and quiet. But like he will, he will destroy you. He's a savage man. He just yeah. he,
1: he has no qualms about just. Trying to put a hurt on you and like make you look silly because he does these crazy, crazy
0: moves. Yeah, and so Caseras is very flamboyant as well. So one other thing about this card was that Cub Swanson was on the yeah on the fight his, pass his, his, his return. Yeah, what do you what are your thoughts on like someone like Cub Swanson being put on the fight pa- on the fight pass feature prelim? I,
1: I get this feeling that the UFC is trying to put really high caliber, well known guys and gals uh, high up, or if not the the quote unquote main event of fight pass cards. Because they want to sell more Fight Pass su- subscriptions, so there's less eyeballs on them, but it might entice people to to want to to want to buy it. And I say all that to say that I think, although it on its surface seems like a disrespect, right? Like that's the and right. it might be it might be a disrespect to guys like him or Joe Lozon or Jim Miller or Takanori Gomi or Uriah Faber. I think in an, in another sense, it's it's a respect to them as well because it's it's a nod that they may be a big enough name. Exciting enough fighter to entice people to pay for a subscription to something, um, which which is interesting because I think, and then that begs the question of like how much of a percentage of royalty of, of subscriptions do fighters deserve? Right. I don't I don't know that they get any of that, but but yeah no. I, I, so it's an interesting thing. I think Cub Swanson. Is a, is a great fighter. You wouldn't expect to see him there, but hopefully he got a few people to to sign up for a fight pass because of it.
0: So you think that it just needs to be a change in perception from the fighters' viewpoint, not necessarily the fans' viewpoint that that the fighters need to embrace it more because they're being <laughs> viewed as the guy even though they're in a prelim car yeah
1: i mean uh, they i could see what they wouldn't want to i think they could choose to see the upside of it if they want but yeah it's tough because if you're trying to argue to sponsors and it's really hard to argue to get sponsorship now uh, uh, from if you're a ufc fighter because you're not allowed to represent them on fight week you want to at least be able to tell them i got you know this many i got exposed my fights get exposed to this many viewers and fight pass as successful as it may or may not be is not going to be at the same level as, as cable or pay-per-view for the most part, or even like uh, Big Fox, certainly. So I can see why some of them wouldn't, wouldn't like it. Some some fighters are all on board, like, or at least publicly. They're like, yeah, I don't care. That's great. I don't care how many. I remember we talked to Joel Lozon before his last fight, and he was on Fight Pass UFC 200. He's like, I, I don't care where I'm on. And when you're approaching the fight, obviously you have to think that because you have to care about the person who's trying to beat you, and you have to f- focus on that. Um, but other fighters openly complain about it, so I don't, I don't want to tell them they need to get over it, because they know more about what's valuable to them than I do, but uh, there's, a, there's a possible upside to it. But yeah, if you're being used to sell subscriptions to something, you should also have some piece of that something as well.
0: So, the other big notable event, before we move on, yeah. Court McGee getting a huge pop in front of the Salt Lake City, City crowd. That's awesome. Utah native. Um, again, I couldn't watch the fight because of the cable or yeah. satellite, but uh, you know, you saw the videos, people tweeting out and whatnot, which was good to see. He's somebody who has like a really interesting story. Definitely does. And fascinates me outside of the cage. You know, his um, battle with sobriety. And of course, that's one that I identify with. And, um, you know, I, I just, it felt good to see him get like that kind of response from yeah. his own crowd. Yeah. Um,
1: Especially in large part, probably because it has to do with because people know a little bit about his story. And so to see people support one another. Because of struggles that they know, uh, they've gone through that. Yeah, that's
0: awesome. Right. So let's shift gears yeah. because the next two weeks are going to be all about <laughs> Conor McGregor and yeah. ATS. Yeah. Were you on the UFC 202 call?
1: Uh, no, I knew you were going to be on it. I, I jetted out of here after uh, we were doing some work, uh, I know, last week. So I, I let you cover it. But I heard some snippets. Uh, I know you got some more for us. I want to hear more of it. Yeah.
0: Ex- yeah, let's run down the clip. So first of <laughs> all, uh, Nate made his prediction or not Nate, I should say, uh, Connor made his prediction. He's been known to make predictions, and uh, I think he predicted a first-round knockout of uh, Nate Diaz in their last fight.
1: did he? Yeah, I forget now. Now he's going for what?
0: Uh, well, I'll play the – well, we got the oh, audience. here we I'll go. Here we audio. go. David right. Martin at Fox Sports asked the question, uh, so credit to him. All right, hold on.
2: Yeah, you know, I think I just got into that you know, just saying it was gonna stop the guy in the first round. if I really looked at it, I thought, you know, he has a he has a solid chain, he's durable, very experienced, he has he has the size and the weight on me. Um, I think that was that was the wrong thing to go in, expecting the first round and I did the well to K O in the first round. I if you can say that. I marched forward and backed him up against the fence and peed off on his on on his head. Um I did what I said I would do, but you know, respect to him, he stuck it out. He he was durable. He was experienced. He he weathered the storm. Um, but this time, I will be. Uh, I mean, I'm still going to march forward. I'm still going to press him. I'm still going to bust him. There's just going to be a lot more in my tank. I'm just going to. I'm going to be a lot more prepared for a man that can that can stay in there with me. So, but even still, uh, I, I I struggle to give him past round 3 if i was to make a prediction which i will right now i believe i will repay the favor and ko him inside the second round
0: so there you have it yep. second round knockout
1: that's uh, i'd like hearing from connor in that way i think he gave his opponent respect and uh, obviously he's got to be confident and you know i, I can kind of see where he's coming from i think there's there's two trains of thoughts for 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 kind of uh, progn- prognosticating uh, with this fight one you could think hey this is kind of a bad matchup for connor he's he's a little too small and Nate's a little too durable, and Nate can touch him up just as much as he can get touched, and then he has an advantage on the ground. So it'll probably be Nate. But there's another way you can think about this, which is how many more big shots can Nate Diaz take? He's been taking them since he was a teenager at the professional level. He took big ones against Conor. At some point, he's he's not going to be able to stay awake while taking those big shots. Probably they're both going to touch each other. So, uh, you know, Conor makes some good points. If he feels that he's going to be able to find... Nate's chin again, and he should feel that way, because he should be confident in himself. He he should be thinking, "Hey, yeah, you know what? The one thing that's going to change here is I'm in better shape." Of course, it's a little more complicated than that Nate Diaz
0: is going to be a lot better shaped as well. You know, well to compare it to baseball, hmm. uh, people say that batters when they go to the All Star break and they're in the home run derby that they leave the all-star break in somewhat of a slump because mm. they're swinging to hit these home runs and it gets their swing out of a rhythm because they're trying to hit for home runs in the home run derby and you know it's an exhausting thing like i think you know you end up hitting however many baseballs and swinging the bat so many times and hitting all you know i don't know i think josh Ham- or yeah hamilton hit like 20 plus oh. in one round of the home <laughs> run derby at one point anyways i'm not a baseball expert but conor mcgregor in that first round was teeing off like he was looking for the first uh for the knockout he was trying to finish actively trying to finish it in the first round at ufc 196 and he wasn't um and he was swinging for the uppercut and that's what he was looking for and he tired himself out like the old rope-a-dope kind of but diaz wasn't necessarily going with the rope-a-dope conor just let him have it but uh And he mentioned that in the post-fight press conference, the energy, managing energy. And it'll be interesting to see how Conor McGregor makes an adjustment so that he can still look for the knockout without tiring himself out like he did in the first fight. You know, when when he fought Aldo, it was all about drawing him into a trap and then creating the shot, using his movement to create the shot. That would get him the win. And that's what happened on the first exchange. Like he said, you know, he's going to come in. I'm not going to be there. I'm going to counter, and that's what's going to do it, and that's how he won the fight. But like he went actively hunting yeah. for the for the knockout, and yeah. then tired himself out. So it'll be interesting to see if he manages his um, energy. And if he can, then he certainly has a chance to knock him out in the second round, sure. I think. Will it happen? I'm not quite as sure that it will. And the longer the fight goes on, the more the odds swing Diaz's way. Like, Connor. Has he ever been in a fight that's lasted longer than three rounds? He's only been to. I think he's only Maybe had a three early round his career before his UFC. I'm not sure. I'd have to look it up. The only three round fight he's had in the UFC was Max Holloway, and it was because he tore his ACL. Oh, right, right. And, um, but I mean, he's not accustomed to going that deep. At least I don't think. No, not, 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 not certainly not UFC. as accustomed as, as Nate Diaz is. He's yeah. Gone, who's gone five championship rounds. I mean, he's gone the distance many a time. Right, right. And, um, so it'll be. It's an interesting matchup to see. Connor definitely has Absolutely. the incentive to try and finish it early.
1: He, I think you're right. I think he's 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 talking about himself as like you know I'm going to out endurance Nate Diaz, and I don't I don't know that anyone's going to. Very few people have been able to do that. Maybe Clay Guida. You know, I. It's like it's 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 tough to do, and I think Connor ha like he can't think about this what I'm about to mention because it would mess with his own head. But for all of his, you know, inefficiencies with hunting for the, the knockout and all that type of stuff, he had a full training camp. And the person he fought had no training camp. And, and don't, you know, the, the lies are still propagated out there. If you watch the fight, and, and you should, it's an awesome fight. It's on YouTube for free on the UFC's channel. You still hear, hey, uh, you know, uh, Nate Diaz is training for a triathlon. And Nate Diaz was not training for a triathlon. And even if he was, it's not a fight. It's different. He was vacationing in Mexico. Yeah, and he told that to Dana White so, to assure him that he could still do the fight. So, Nate Diaz out conditioned uh, Connor McGregor who had been in camp for probably 3 months on no training camp and a few days notice that's kind of crazy you know now Nate Diaz is certainly going to be in better shape as well and and I think that'll embolden him to come out a little faster as well so it'll be an interesting thing if Connor's going to be a little bit more efficient maybe that'll mean he'll, he'll he'll sit back a little bit more now Nate might come at him a little bit more too it'll be interesting Connor's a great counter striker uh, but yeah, I think, it, I think it could be a very similar fight, but it could also end up being a very different fight for any number of reasons. It's yeah, it's kind of crazy.
0: Yeah. It's uh, it'll be interesting to see. The other thing that plays a factor as far as the conditioning goes is that Dia or McGregor is used to fighting so much lighter. Yeah. So fighting, carrying that weight, yeah, like the a weight a ca- process is a bad thing for right. the body to go through, but at the same time you're, you're carrying less weight. Right, and you're yeah. going through that, and you know, even though you, you put on that weight before the fight, it, it's just a different process than just being like walking into a fight at your walking weight.
1: It'll be very interesting. You're right. You bring up a good point, Mike. I mean, I, I'm inclined. I was inclined to say, hey, listen, you didn't have to cut weight. You should have a lot more energy. However, made of 170 may be a bit more than not cutting weight for for Conor McGregor. Maybe it means he doesn't have to diet that much leading into it as well. And so, although he will, may have more energy, yeah, maybe is maybe it's just he's not used to, to to moving around all that all that meat <laughs> on fight night. So it'll be it'll be really curious to see what he does. We know, although Nate Diaz is not really a, a welterweight, uh, he's fought there and he didn't look tired. You know, when he fought there against great competition like Rory McDonald. Rory beat him pretty good, but he, Nate didn't like gas out or anything. So he, he, I agree with you that the longer it goes, the more it would seem to favor. Nate Diaz. So for all Conor's talk about, I'm going to be patient. You know, he, he he. I think he's very aware that
0: he still should probably have to get it done quick. And moving on to the next quote Uh-oh. from Conor McGregor. What we got from here. He uh, he was asked by MMA junkies. Um, I can't remember exactly who it was. A MMA junkie reporter he was asked Mr. If
1: junkie. Did Mr. Junkie? Yeah, ask Mr. Him junkie that? Okay. He <laughs> asked
0: uh He asked if Conor McGregor, if he were to win the fight if he would grant uh, Nate Diaz Great the trilogy. And so the clip that I have is Connor's answer, and then he kind of directs the question to Diaz, mm. uh, who gives his opinion on it as well. So we have both of that in here.
2: 100%. Of course. Awesome. Maybe not and straight away, but most certainly this will be a trilogy fight. Me and the boy have something. And it ain't finished yet. Nate, um, same question to you. If uh, if you can't get the job done uh, at UFC 202, would you like an immediate rematch instead of a trilogy fight with uh, Conor? We wouldn't want a rematch with somebody who beat him.
0: And that's that. That's I love it. Has I love it, it for
1: both guys. Conor doing the right thing and saying, yeah. Even if I get this, I, I should have to do it again. And Nate being like, yeah, sure.
0: It's a win win for Nate. No sure matter is. what happens. When if if he wins the second time, McGregor and him are done. And he'll always have that. Yep. If he loses, he gets the trilogy of how and a third payday. That's awesome. Which is what he would like.
1: Absolutely. And it works for Connor too. Connor makes big money fighting anyone,
0: but he makes bigger money fighting a a guy who can sell the fight like Nate Diaz. And this fight it's just like even though they've just fought a few months ago, it hasn't built any steam. And you yeah. heard Connor say that if they if he won and there wasn't to be a trilogy, fight, it wouldn't be immediately. And we've yeah. heard Dana White say that Connor McGregor's next fight will be against Aldo and it's gonna make him defend the featherweight yeah. belt. Let's see. So the trilogy bout wouldn't come away, but it's it'd be a chip that the UFC yeah. would have Absolutely. to like use down the road. How far down the road that is, yeah. who knows? Like but is it next july you know during the fight week or is it next de- the december after that right. you know who knows but
1: uh um, it doesn't need them to be coming off of wins to be a sellable fight at this point either right no, like this it's, is it's, the old bad blood yeah and like, it's real and it's rivalry. cool they like both really respect each other and really dislike each other so it's it works it works well and and any everything's negotiable like dana White says a lot of things like who knows depending on how it ends they could do it they could run it back right again they they, they the ufc doesn't usually turn down the biggest money options lately but yeah i mean (laughs) i feel bad for jose aldo and everyone else being held held up but yeah we would see i I love hearing that from both guys that's for all the trash talk that's respect from both guys there
0: the other thing that's interesting you mentioned them uh connor respecting him Yeah. so one of the big things that i was wondering is like once this fight starts building up again how is connor going to be himself you know before he had this undefeated in the ufc uh, thing which was kind of like the platform or foundation mm-hmm. for his trash talk. Uh, now he's been beaten, and he's fighting somebody who's beaten him. So how does he alter his trash talk? And he's still doing the same Conor McGregor stuff, but he's tweaked it slightly. Yeah. So during this conference call, he was asked about uh, the first the, the first fight or whatnot a few times, and you know he talked a lot about where and I think for the most part, kind of frankly about where he fell short. Mm-hmm which was underestimating his chin or his durability and these things. So he's still managing to find ways to talk trash, but like give Nate respect. And Nate, for his part, was giving him respect as well. Uh, you know, in most areas, there was some areas where he didn't. <laughs> but, you know, there's it's, it's been interesting to watch versus how it happened very quickly the last time. That uh, is
1: really interesting. I, I'm betting once they get them in, get in the same space, like it'll get ugly and senseless again. Maybe from Connor and he'll just say stuff that maybe doesn't make sense. But yeah, I like that. I, I think it's cool. I think that Connor McGregor has some analytical depth to him, and he could still be himself without saying ridiculous things, without saying like ignorant things. Without like he could still he could still do it. He's going to have to like eat it a little bit, which it's good for his motivation. Like yeah, he got me, but this going to be this time it's going to be different. For, you know and you can still make all sorts of promises without like doing weird baseless denigrations of like the essence of your opponent or something. So I think he can do it. But I bet once you're face to face, it's just going to get like nasty
0: quick. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause this brings us to our third, Oh, to, <laughs> to the third sound soundbite I have. So Justin Barroso from Sports Illustrated yep. shout out, asked him about uh, the WWE. Um, uh, yeah. For those of you who don't know, <laughs> Justin at Sports Illustrated does a lot of, Coverage with the WWE. He also does some uh, MMA interviews. So he kind of uh, has a foot in both sides. And he asked him about the WWE, if he would ever be interested in that. I think the genesis of that is because the rumor um, that's out there is that the UFC is sending someone to a WWE event as kind of like a quid pro quo for Brock Lesnar being at UFC 200. Mm you know, most people would think it'd be somebody like maybe Ronda Rousey. She's already done a WrestleMania. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So there's already a natural fit there. She's a fan, but, um, you know, certainly fans think Conor McGregor would be an interesting crossover because of his personality, but whether that actually he's openly said in the past, that he's not necessarily a huge fan of the WWE. Yeah. Um, cause Unlikely. it's fake. But anyways, he asked if he would be interested in about Brock Lesnar and Conor had, uh, Conor McGregor-like thoughts to share about it, so uh, I'm going apologize in advance for some bad language on this, but here we go. <clears throat> uh,
2: you know, I haven't really, really thought about it. For the most part, those, those WWE guys are pussies, to be honest. They're, <laughs> they're messed up pussies, if you ask me. I mean, Phil played the Brock; he got in and fought, but at the end of the day, he's juiced up to the fucking eyeball, so how can I respect that? Um, what's the other guy? The other guy, he hasn't fought yet, so I don't know about him yet, but um, I mean, there's some there's some thorns in, in that wrestling game. I mean, the McMahons, they're and um, Triple H is a thorn. The Rock are a don, But the rest of them are fucking... The rest of them are pussies, man. I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't even talked about that, to be honest. Again, that's a little bit more show business. So this is this is the fight business.
0: <laughs> so this obviously became a thing over the weekend. Um I remember in the lead up to his fight with Dustin Poirier, he was doing a press conference. It was him, Daniel Cormier, uh, Poirier, and Judd Jones. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I think it was in an August 2014 press conference. It was the four of them on stage. They were sitting on stools. This was when Jones and uh, uh, Cormier were supposed to fight at 178 before it got pushed back. Gotcha. uh, To January, where it ended up being. So, someone asked him, and he was like, eh, it's fake stuff he's like i've never really been into it so he goes on and call questions their toughness yeah which has always been a big gripe uh for wrestlers it's a soft spot for them
1: it, it should be because they're very very tough even though they're not competing
0: right. i mean the the outcome might be scripted but right. what they're doing is not fake like they're, no they're hurting themselves yeah. they're letting others hurt them it's, when you it's jump tough. off a steel cage like, <laughs> right, onto on right. the table sure there might be like an inch of padding but let's you know you're you're still hurting yourself. They're very
1: so Connor's very wrong and what he was implying is that they're not tough human beings. These they're very, very wrong. A lot of wrestlers took offense. I saw one and I tweeted back at them. I think I think what I would imagine he takes offense at the posturing or the acting as though they're all fighters. Which they're not.
0: Well so then <laughs> McGregor doubled down on Twitter and I think this is really what <laughs> sent everything into to a uh, I saw this. This is great. Into a frenzy. He said, I didn't mean no disrespect to the WWE fans. So I'm assuming WWE fans read the articles about what he said and hit him up on Twitter. Right. And he said, what I meant to say was that I'd slap the head off your entire roster and twice on Sundays. <laughs> he might need <laughs> to do it with a kick, but well, yeah, he can knock their heads off. <laughs> so there's, so all the WWE people start blowing him up. Like uh, e- it seemed like every WWE superstar like addresses like Chris Jericho uh, responded and called the uh, UFC fake. Uh, then there was um, Roman Reigns, who just told him to shut up because he was the size of his leg. I responded to that, by the way. Yeah, what would you say?
1: I said, I said, Roman, it wouldn't be a leg measurement competition. And I, and I think that's the thing they have to realize. They have to, like, of course, any man or any woman wouldn't like someone just insulting them. But they're really missing the point. I think we're past 1993, right? We've all Hoist Gracie fought. We've seen this. Like, if you know nothing, if you know nothing of fighting— and you, you've not trained it, and you go against someone who has, and they're a lot smaller than you. They're they have a really good shot at getting well, that's you.
0: What jujitsu was developed for is to, to exactly. counteract size advantage. That's why I always yeah. love seeing like the the videos of people fighting online. And some like huge jacked bro and he's <laughs> like oh, I take jujitsu and it's like if you took jujitsu you would know <laughs> that jujitsu's purpose is to yeah. you know remove the, any size advantage. Um but anyways I guess
1: they think they could beat him just because they're bigger.
0: Yeah so, so a bunch of people <laughs> reach like uh was going at him on Twitter about it. Maybe more notable you know, Kurt Angle, Rick Flair. Um so here's my thoughts. One I don't think Connor really pairs Um, this works one of two ways either one connor has been reached out about doing an appearance at wwe which isn't out of the crate like out of i mean snoop Dogg's wrestling maria menounos has wrestled at a wrestlemania (laughs) like let that sink in she has i was there i saw it in person did you go for that did you go for that he (laughs) wrestled at a wrestlemania okay floyd mayweather came in and had a feud with the big show it's a big tent you know so there's a crossover appeal and connor's Enough savvy enough to where he would recognize that right. and he would take advantage of it, I think if they offered it to him. Sure. Whether he likes it or not. I right. think he would see the advantage in him. The other issue, the other option, which I think is actually the one, is that Connor McGregor, who he mentioned on the call and you've probably seen online, has launched his own website, mm-hmm. themaclife.com, where like site. yeah, he provides all these like videos uh, into it kind of like embedded style, yeah. but into his personal life and whatnot. Um, and he's trying to get that going. He talked about that on the call and how he was trying to launch this media empire, uh, which, by the way, good luck. We, you know, but anyway, that's another story. Um, it's harder than it looks. <laughs> right. He, uh, so anyways, he now has he noticed that the WWE uh, fans were upset about the comment. Yeah. He sends out the tweet to rile, really rile them up. You know, And then all these WWE superstars, I think that's when the, uh, most of the uh, yeah. backlash came from the WWE superstars themselves because they, which, back to option one, if he is showing up, like he's already set himself up as a heel and has this like thing going. Anyways, Absolutely. back to option two. They all start retweeting him or tweeting at him. They have
1: huge followings themselves.
0: Right, so Mike Bonn of uh, MMA Junkie and Rolling Stone tweeted out that the, all, of the U- all the WWE superstars who tweeted at him had a combined total of 14.2 million Twitter followers. Like job, you don't Connor. get more free promotion than that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Like how many followers do you think he picked up or how many? No. And the other thing is like, remember the early days, the ultimate fighter came on after raw yep. and the raw fed into it. And there was like that agreement. And like the UFC tapped into the WWE fan base, WWE fans are more willing to embrace the UFC. Whereas there's a larger segment of MMA fans who shun anything WWE away. Like it's the crossover is one direction it, and it's definitely UFC towards WWE yeah. and for the most part. And the, I mean, Brock Lesnar obviously brought in some crowd, but well, that way, wait, wait. it's still the direction you're talking about. Yeah. That's the direction you're talking about. So he's tapping into that. that by rolling this up. So he's trying to launch this website. Yeah. He's trying to sell paper. He's, he's, Trying to promote himself, and he accomplished all that with one tweet. Yeah. And Mike Bon, who tweeted that out, you know, fourteen point two million followers combined amongst the WWE superstars who referenced him. Uh, John Kavanaugh, who's Connor's to- uh, quote, just responded to that tweet with a smiley face, <laughs> and it's like this guy—he just played you guys, and you don't even realize it, or they realize it, they realize it, yeah. or it's a SummerSlam. No. Thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, no, not at SummerSlam thing. At WWE event demo. The there's right. no way in hell Conor McGregor is appearing at SummerSlam, no. which is the day after 202. No way. No, but they'll take Conor and the UFC is so big that the WWE stars
1: will gladly take some of their shine. Like, they're hoping, I guarantee you, Roman Reigns, Chris Jericho. I, I, I haven't watched wrestling for a long time, but I, when I did, Chris Jericho was 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 in it and i'm a big fan of his guarantee you they would love if connor like replied back to them or said something like it goes both ways because they're all pretty big stars at this point so it it works for everyone i think there may be some real like being pissed off about it too but it, i think they're all very savvy so I, I i'm with you man i think that makes a lot of sense well rick flair anybody, <laughs> what did, what did rick flair say i didn't see that really so rick flair <laughs> was
0: first he res- he's responded in several tweets. Hold on. Let me pull it up. <laughs> yes. He. His first one was, um, let's see. Okay. Oh, there's three tweets. Three tweets. First one was a picture of him I like that. from his famous uh, promo back in his, um, I want to say NWA days, where he was, you know, the jet flying, the yeah. limousine a WCW belt there. That's yeah. Nice. So he... Uh, he goes coming from a guy who built a career copying my persona. I <laughs> expected the type of class we got from Rondar Anderson, which great point because that's totally like I never like that's basically everybody yeah, says definitely. Connor is copying Chael its playbook, but like he's really doing a Ric Flair thing. Absolutely,
1: and Rick Ric Flair obviously was copying Gorgeous in a Georges though, a hundred percent. So Ric
0: Flair didn't make it up either. But that's the like, he everything fucking did an awesome job, with and it. that's how everything goes in wrestling. Yeah, like totally. everybody's, it's always a recycled totally to totally. some extent. So. That's a I, good point too. But that's awesome. I like that retort from McCoy. so then he go then he responds after that after Diaz finishes you I dare you to try guys like Dolph Brock or Fit or you're <laughs> welcome for your gimmick <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then um, he tweeted out of that if anyone doubts whether or not Dolph could tie Connor a not do yourself a favor and Google some his accomplishments he's talking about his Dolph Ziggler if you don't I watch don't wrestling is, yeah. but he wrestled collegiately at um Kent. Uh, kent state Um, and was very successful as a collegiate wrestler uh he said i know he set a bunch of wrestling records at the school i don't know necessarily how his accomplishments lined up in the grand scheme of things i don't remember i know i've read an interview where he's talked about it before and i but i don't remember the details of what Mm -hmm. it is but i know he was really successful so yeah there's that element uh, that's cool i
1: mean to his credit like it's funny that rick flair's uh, chastising someone for not being classy but because but, uh, as if he didn't you yes, know sorry. as part of his chick was not talking a lot of trash about people
0: so I bet he appreciates it all I can keep thinking is like uh, Rick Flair being like I spent more uh, more money on spilt liquor in a year <laughs> than you may. And it's just like, I just want to see Conor McGregor. Like, I really want to see that. him bust out that line. I could totally see him.
1: That'd be awesome. <laughs> Chael Sonnen would steal stuff from, from wrestlers, so like verbatim. Yeah. So I, it would be funny if he could. But, you know, Ric Flair brings a good point. Ric Flair, I think, I mean, not to the level of guys like the, uh, Dolph uh, that you're mentioning or obviously Brock Lesnar, but, you know, Ric Flair wrestled. Like, uh, he, he learned how to wrestle uh, as, a, as an amateur. So he's pointing out, listen, because Ric Flair is a fan of the UFC. He's at a lot of events. Right. Uh, he's pointing out, listen, there's there's real competitors in here as well. So that's that or is a very fair point.
0: Real people with real experience in combat sports, exactly. and wrestling. We've seen it's become a pillar of, of course, MMA. absolutely, absolutely. So yes, yeah, so
1: he, he, Conor McGregor would have some trouble with like a high level, heavyweight wrestler for sure, for sure, NCAA wrestler. Yeah. But
0: even someone like, like uh, Daniel Bryan. Like, he's tr- he trains and all that. Uh, he, li- I think, he even lived in Las Vegas for a while mm. to train, and he trains, you know, uh, the Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu and all that. I wonder so, how much
1: time he has to train. I don't know him, I mean, but I mean, you're on the road nowadays. a lot. Oh, is he, is he not well, I mean, in anymore? Because he he's retired, ah, okay, neck injuries and stuff. Oh, gotcha. But,
0: but I mean, like, I read his biography, and he was talking about his biography about how he enjoyed that and trained it a lot, and he That's worked. Cool. He, the different the thing like people you are probably gonna listen to this and say, Well CM Punk said he practiced jujitsu too. Yeah. But the thing about the That's difference the between um CM Punk and Daniel Bryan is that I think Daniel Bryan incorporated those things into his in ring character. Mm-hmm. Uh he he had what he called like his yes kicks or whatever, where he would like kick the person, which is like a low kick you would yeah. deliver to somebody's front leg. So like he worked on those things and practiced those things and those things that he learned from the martial arts that he liked he made a part of his in ring character, whereas, like, I don't know that uh CM Punk worked to jujitsu into his in ring. Yeah, I don't know if he did. I'm not. I don't watch wrestling close enough to yeah. say that definitively. But. Right,
1: right, right. No, that's a, that's a fair point. I mean, I think that speaks honestly. I don't, I don't know, but I think that would speak more to their respect of MMA than their like ability to put it again, put it to use against a resistant opponent. And the
0: other interesting wrinkle mm. about this and i know it's completely unintentional because he didn't even know cm punk's name (laughs) he said that other guy other guy um, is that he fights at 203 in a month yeah and you know there's going to be that ufc wwe crossover again because cm punk's finally fingers crossed making his ufc debut so like connor did the wwe (laughs) or did the ufc a solid by like ramping up all that attention unintentionally if it Absolutely. would if he intentionally was trying to get some like uh, you know shine for cm punk like he would have known his name right so there, right there was no like effort on his part to accomplish that at all but it's another That's interesting it's another interesting wrinkle to it it is know?
1: it is and i'd like that these athletes usually respect each other uh, other than Conor kind of mcgregor like <laughs> there's so many pro wrestlers that seem to uh like mma like i you know i i am familiar enough to know like Undertaker and I remember even when I was watching he would wear the harbinger gloves which are like the first he was American the first ones. one yeah,
0: to wear the, like the, the fingerless four ounce yeah, yeah that was
1: pretty cool like well Bill Goldberg used to wear some of the, some of those shits too but like yeah like and he would do like he
0: and he, he worked jujitsu
1: yeah he did really, he had like a triangle choke saw him. like he, he had cool stuff so I mean it was it was not a good triangle choke he used to cut that angle <laughs> sh- sh- shimmy back into your shoulders pulling on, on the posture taker but I love that he was doing it so yeah no that's that's pretty funny. I mean, here's the thing Conor McGregor in training camp, training for someone who knocked him senseless and choked him out, it's just not going to have that much time for people that are pretending to fight. And then he's going to be hyperbolic and like, say that they're, they're punks and this and that, which is not true. But I just think at the end of the day, it's probably like that. And, you know, he just he doesn't have time for that stuff. And he's smart enough to capitalize on
0: all that attention. <laughs> I think he likes to just tweet things out. And <laughs> see, see everybody that's run. That's that's he just like it's true. like he it's like he has like this master computer where you can watch like people pull up their phones and start banging <laughs> away on their keyboards. Uh, Angrily. And, and us on the internet and digital media like run into our keyboards like <laughs> oh, just, get this, those oh, you know.
1: yep. Oh no, I mean, that's true. He's he's savvy man. He's savvy. And so is his coach. They're really good. Controls. Remember
0: those like old things that people would have that they would squeeze up, blow air on fires. It's like he has got one of those. Like he'd just be like, "Oh, that WWE comment making the rounds on That's the internet." Right. Hold on a second. Let me, let me turn this That's up right. a level. Let me and throw another did. log on the fire. I
1: love it. You look. You read the first part of that tweet. You're like, oh, he's gonna be like, you know, scale it back a little bit. No. Yeah. <laughs> twice on Sundays. <laughs>
0: twice on Sundays. That's the best. So let's move forward. Our uh, guys telling us that we have Lex McMahon on the phone. Uh, Elias, you want
1: to? Lex, um, thanks for being out. Out. Uh I, I know the a few weeks ago, Lex, you had your Warrior hookup event. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what what that is?
3: Yeah, you know, and again, thank you guys for the opportunity and the platform to kind of spread some awareness about what's going on. Um, yeah, you know, my background is I did two combat tours uh, in Somalia as a Marine uh, back in what they call the uh, unpleasantness of the early 90s in mm-hmm. Africa. Um, and, you know, I've always been very, very patriotic, and, and I, I believe in, in the idea of service. When 9-11 happened, uh, I actually tried to, I had just graduated law school, and I um, was studying for the bar exam. And I actually tried to go back into the military because you know, I wanted to, to serve. And unfortunately, I had been diagnosed with a degenerative eye disease so they wouldn't let me uh, re-enlist. So I made the decision at that point that I was going to you know, find a way to serve in some capacity. Um, so I've done a lot over the years, um, but probably about five years ago, I met a gentleman by the name of Lee Stuckey. Lee um, is now an active duty Marine Corps major. Um, he was a sergeant in Talusia, then became a, uh, a captain and went over to Afghanistan. So he's done tour, combat tours everywhere. Um, got, he was blown up and suffered traumatic brain injury and um, watched a lot of his Marines die uh, over the course of his tours. And you know, finally, I think when he came home from Afghanistan the last time, he was kind of at his his breaking point, and he had uh, a bottle of whiskey and he had his phone sitting on the table and he had a forty-five in his mouth and he was pulling the trigger and he was, you know, he was done. Right at that moment, his phone rang and it said across the screen, mama. And uh, so he put the gun down, picked up the phone, you know, start crying, explain to his mom what he was about to do. And she had him come home. They lived in rural Alabama. And um, she brought him home. He spent time hunting, going fishing. But he did that with, with veterans, you know, that lived in the area. And that experience was really historic to him. He said, well, wait a minute. I'm a Marine to captain. I'm a for captain. And I'm having all these issues. And this type of treatment, for lack of a better term, of therapy was really helpful to me. Maybe it would be helpful to other people. So he founded A Hero, which is American Heroes, American Heroes Enjoying Recreation and Outdoors. Um, he asked me to get involved, so I became a, a board member. And, you know, the premise of really what we do is we take guys that are similar situated and put them in a really fun environment and try to facilitate kind of peer-to-peer therapy. Um, You know, a lot of people who... Let's be honest, like, 1% of the the population serves. So the vast majority of the population doesn't really understand what it is to be blown off or watch a buddy die or, or, you know, be in 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 a combat zone. So they can be pathetic to the fact that someone experienced that, but they really don't understand it. But if you put... Other people who have together, you know, they begin guys begin to open up as they're dealing with stress. That somebody understands, you know, and so the idea is we put them in a fun environment, like fishing, and you know, a lot of times we bring you know, kind of celebrity guests in to make it even more fun for them. This this trip that we're, we're talking about in terms of the Warrior Hookup uh, and down in San Key West, we brought Stephen Struve and he, you know, the guys in MMA and the UFC in particular really resonates with the military guys a lot, so they loved it. We brought five Navy, or five Marines and one Navy SEAL uh, down down on a trip, plus we had Stefan, and um, you know, everybody just... you know, we spent four days bonding and hanging out and having fun, and you know, beginning began to hear people's stories and you know, all that sort of stuff. But that's really the essence of what the whole thing is about, is putting these guys, who have got some really tough experiences, putting them together in a fun environment and letting them begin to, to heal one another.
1: It sounds like an incredible of, of experience, Lex. How many of you got together for for this last event?
3: Yeah, the whole thing it was it was very um, intimate. We were on a boat called the Sea, which is a really cool sport fisher, and we had seven of us on the boat. And you know that was the the week. You know, over the, the years since A.B.O. was founded, we've had over 800 uh, veterans come through to various events, whether it be, you know, with Stephen Thompson, uh, you know, we took uh, a group of veterans to South Africa to uh, go hunting. On, um, you know, other trips, you know, we take guys to UFC fights to, you know, Zach Brown concerts, ICC football, hunting, fishing, you name it. Um, We've taken over 800 people on these types of trips. It's a handful at a time, you know. Five or ten maybe each
0: trip. Now, you said it was a really small group. Do you like it being intimate like that, or are you looking to expand in the future, or in the future do you envision there being larger groups?
3: You know, it, it, it's a double-edged sword. You know, I think intimacy is, is really good in terms of helping to accomplish the mission uh, of getting these, these folks together. Um, we have done one or two events where maybe we had 20 or 30 um, and that was great Like, yeah, you know, there's, uh, Bay Hill has a farm up in Alabama um, that we, we take guys hunting on all the time. And, you know, so we've had a couple of events where we had more people there, um, you know, maybe 20. And that, that's great, but then everybody kind of gets spread out. And so it's not quite as tight-knit. So what I've found is that really the you know, smaller groups of, let's say, 5 to 10 are the ones that really I think we, we get the most impact out of.
1: So we're we're talking with Lex McMahon, who's been talking about some of the events he does with A Hero USA which you can find at aherousa.com. Lex, how do veterans get in touch with you all and and, and who do you choose and how does that how does that work the selection process and who in terms of who gets to be involved with what um, with what sounds like a really really fun uh, fun bonding experience and a supportive a supportive experience. Yeah, you
3: know, I mean, we I mean, I kind of joke around, you know, that there's the military mafia. Like, we only represent about 1% of the population, but we are a pretty tight then. And so we, you know, have forums and websites and, and all of that to kind of reach out. We also deal directly with the, the um, active duty commands, wounded warrior battalion, uh, Walter Reed Hospital. So it's not necessarily even folks that are veterans, it's active military. Uh, that we bring down sometimes as well. Um, you know, the it, you know, kind of key piece to it is in one fashion or another, whether it's, you know, they they lost a limb or they suffered traumatic brain injury or they suffered from PTSD, is, you know, these guys have all, guys have all been wounded in, in one way or another. And, yeah, you know, that's the commonality, and some are from the active side, some are from the veteran community.
0: It's such an important cause, and I think... Uh I speak for everyone when I, in the United States even when I say that uh, everybody appreciates what the veterans do. They put their lives on the line to fight for our freedom. What is the best way that people can go about helping you with this cause? Is it simply donating or if they can't donate for financial restraints or for whatever is there uh, other ways to donate by offering resources p- perhaps?
3: Well yeah, you know I mean I, I, mean, I appreciate the question because that is, I think people want to help. They just don't know the best way. You know, I mean there's thousands, tens of thousands of charities that deal with just military and veteran issues. Um, So how do you, A, find the right one that is reputable, that is, you know, dealing with with the right types of issues? Um, You know, what I always use is I've affiliated myself only with organizations that donate at least, uh, that utilize at least 90% of every dollar raised to actually serve the, the, you know, this poor demographic, the military or the veteran community. Um, a lot of, there are, unfortunately, quite a few organizations out there that are pretty high profile that, you know, take exorbitant salaries for their executive officers, and, you know, only 30 to 40% of every dollar raised goes to actually benefiting those who's intended to. So, um, you know, my personal witness test is I look to organizations like AHEA, um where the, the team is all volunteer based, and you know in a hero sense, I think it's ninety four percent of every dollar raised goes to helping you know fund these events and help uh, helping us fulfill the mission. So I think that's one thing you know, people should look to organizations that, that have that sort of outlook. Um, specifically, you know uh, helping a hero there's, there's a lot of ways We've got this great community of, of folks who, who you know support us by donating, but we also have a lot of companies that get involved in you know, this last trip which was you know, this fishing trip we had Salt Armor who was amazing, it's a great fishing um, performance clothing company they donated lots of uh, clothes and hats and, and all that sort of stuff for the guys to wear. fully outfitted the guys uh, and then we had Skeleton Optics who is a um, premium um, sunglass company geared towards the Adventure Outdoors Enthusiasts and they've got like really high-end sunglasses with Zeiss nice polarized lenses, so they're like you know top of the line, and they the owner is a Marine, so he outfitted everybody with the glasses and took amazing care of us. So companies, I think, can get involved like that by, by donating, you know, some of the their products because that's great for the guys. It is everybody loves to get stuff, especially things that are geared towards what we're doing. Um, individuals can get involved by going to A and you know, they can donate to the general fund or they can donate to a specific trip. We have everything, we're really transparent. We show where every dollar goes and we you know, show what what events are on the on the schedule. You say, Hey listen, you know, we're building a pavilion on, on the farm. I wanna support that so you can donate to that cause or hey I wanna send guys to Pensacola to the next A Hero Warrior hooked up in August so they can donate that way.
0: Yeah, Lex, thanks so much for, for being on. I appreciate the time. And, and, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us. Thank you guys so much. Awesome.
1: Yeah, I like that. You know, Lex, Lex uh, McMahon is a, is a busy dude. Uh, he's, he's a man who wears many hats. He's an attorney. He manages fighters. He helps run one of the best, um, one of the best mixed martial arts promotions in the States, Titan FC, just had a, another huge event. Uh, but he's still, uh, it seems like he's still making time to think about um, those who have been in the in, in place that he has before, you know, as a, as a military veteran himself. So it's, it's, it's really cool to see him doing this. I like the fact that he says they're giving uh, most, uh, just about all of the, the cents to the dollar, which is, which is a good thing. And uh, it's, it's cool. It's cool to see him getting fighters involved. I know, like he said, Stefan Struve was involved in this last one. We're going to have Stefan on it in, in a moment. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was real cool
0: to hear from him. And once again, that was a HeroUSA.com. Uh You can go there to donate and see all the projects he was talking about. He was talking about being transparent, uh, which was I thought was kind of a cool thing, too. And I think uh, the peer-to-peer mentoring wow. that he talked about, I think that's really important. And people don't understand that if you've never been necessarily in a situation uh, to understand that. I have not been in the situation that these veterans have, but I've been in um, peer-to-peer um assistance programs uh it makes before. a difference yeah it does i mean to be able to talk to somebody who understands what you're going through or what uh you're dealing with um there's just a different level of connection mm-hmm. than somebody who doesn't know and is telling you uh what to do you know uh, i guess the best way to describe it is when my in high school when we had one of the football coaches uh he had to fill in for a hockey coach <laughs> at the end of the third period he was like one more quarter guys And like <laughs> no man that's not how it works (laughs) but you know there's just like if you understand what the person's been through and you know what worked for you to get over it, like Mm -hmm. you can um, and that's the way it is on all things in life if somebody understands your perspective they can uh, give you advice uh, better and so I think it's an important cause and you know it's great that he's doing things to help those people and as a veteran himself and um, that you know Mixed martial artists are stepping up to try and help as well, yeah. uh, which I think is, it's it's a good cause, and everybody should go online and check it out. Uh, so I'm getting the signal that we have Stefan on the phone. All right, you there, yep,
1: uh, Stefan. I think, yep, I believe he's on. So we're joined now by Stefan Struve, UFC heavyweight, who's coming off of a huge, huge and quick KO win over Antonio Silva, former heavyweight title uh challenger stefan thanks so much for uh for taking time to be on with us man yeah no problem so the first thing we wanted to chat with you about um we were we were just talking with with lex mcmahon uh about a hero usa the, the last event they put on uh which you were a part of the warrior hookup um you got to do some fishing and hang out with some uh, m- uh veterans military personnel what was the experience like for you and had is this the first time you've done something like that with veterans
3: I didn't do um, anything like that before with, um, you know, taking the guys out um, from, from the military. Uh, it was a great experience. Uh, it was just a great thing to just hang out with them. And, you know, just getting happy and happier here uh, during those four days and just having a great time, you know, and um, get back a little like that. And uh, I'm really hoping that I get to do more of that in the future.
1: And a uh, Hero USA does do uh, a lot of events throughout the year, so we'll definitely stay in, um, uh, abreast of those and keep keep our listeners uh, apprised of all that. Uh, now, um, Stephan I'm kind of curious: when you were out there on the water, was there a lot of talking, or was it just more about hanging out together and having a good time? Uh, I know Lex was saying that this um, this type of hanging out can be therapeutic. Did you did you do a lot of talking, or was it just nice to be there relaxing with with the guys? Yeah, for sure.
3: You know, they weren't in um, yeah I, I didn't really uh, want to ask them too much. you know I was like, if you, you don't want talk about certain anything, then I'll just have them start about it, you know, and for the rest I'll just hang out with them and just you know just be myself. I told them, you know i'm 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 nobody special, I can fight a bit, but i'm I'm here to hang out with you guys and have a great time you know and and you know and enjoy your guys' company and you know it, it worked out really good, I think you guys got uh, a lot out of. It.
1: That's awesome. Now, I wanted to switch over to to your career um, from a, from afar, stuff, and it's really been amazing to watch you over the past few years. Now, you've always been um, entertaining to watch, uh, exciting, a battler. Uh, but over the past few years, you've gone through so many struggles, just health scares, um, points where you were told you weren't ever going to be able to fight again, being you know proving them wrong, coming back, having you know, so many setbacks. Beyond that. I can't even imagine uh what it's what it's been like for you um psychologically the stress physically to have to go through so much to come back time and again Uh, now you finally got back in there and got another win uh specifically Uh, I got a couple wins actually this this last one was huge now I I read another interview recently where you said you felt like you needed this last win this fight over Antonio Silva talk a little bit about that if you would obviously you, you needed the win it's what you do for a living, right? You're a young man. This is how you make money. So it's it's good financially. But was it something also? Was it also something emotionally that and psychologically that you felt you needed after so much struggling?
3: Yeah, for well sure. And um, you know, I, I've been with the Black for a year and a half now, and I, I see what we do in the gym, and I know what I can do. But um, after all that happened, Scott, um, you know, it left a really big day, and uh, we had to. Uh, you know, Give me back on slack, and you, you know you can, you know, you, you can beat the best in the world because I only knock knocked out the champ, simple as that. Um, I know I can beat the, be the champ, I believe in that, but then when you go in that cage and things are not working out the way you want it to work out, and you, you fight, fight, and you don't show how good you can be, that's, that's absolutely horrible. That's the worst feeling, uh, there is, and, you know, especially after the fighting as Jerry Rose, um... I thought I had been back on track and I was the Bugs Range for about eight months. I had a great training camp, but being deliver a fight like that, and I just wanted to smash my ass through a wall after that fight. That's how I felt. And I didn't know what to do with myself. You know, the, the coaches told me, don't worry about it too much. You know, we see what you're doing. And uh, it's been a hard time for you uh, the last couple of years just believing in the, the process. And, you'll get there and, you know, then you go into the cage in um in Rotterdam in, in my own country and you smashed and I within fifteen seconds with uh, you know, a ferocious combination this turned over and over again and it was just perfect and I, I, I really feel I needed that needed that feeling again. Um uh, I, uh for a long time I really didn't enjoy doing this anymore and I really questioned why I was still doing it. But there was always something that me going and then you know, you win in that fashion and you really feel why you do that and the way, you know, like how you feel around that fight and then winning and everything, you feel so alive, there's so much energy and that's why you do it for 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 those extremes. So, you know, I, I really feel I needed to to get a win like that to really get me back and really show my showcase my my potential then and you know, I can't wait for my next fight. I wish I was next week.
0: Um, yeah, I just want to fight and win and just keep going again. So. Now, you uh, you talked about the win, which was impressive fashion, 16 seconds. Here's a person who's been training months, weeks, to fight you, to take your head off. What is it like to go in and then knock that person out in 16 seconds? You know, um,
3: I, I, I believe you, you never know how fast and I didn't think the fight would go that fast. I, I did believe that I would knock him out in the first round. And that, I, I know I had everything to put him down in the first round, but the same thing goes from my fight with Rochel. The same thing goes from the fight with November I was convinced I would put them away in the first round, but then things didn't go the way we wanted to go. And then when you finally pull that out in front of a thousand people, in know, home country and everybody is going crazy, you know. On the struggle. all the best feeling in the world.
0: And you talked about uh, the crowd going crazy. It was in front of your hometown crowd. Uh, you didn't really get much time in front of them inside the cage, but you got a very impressive win. Is that an ideal result for you?
3: Yeah, for sure. It was always one of my, my wishes to fight uh, 40 years in my home country. And um, I, uh, I wasn't sure that it was ever going to happen. And then, you know, after. You out know, for a long time you you're not
2: sure if you can come back to fight
3: and you know you do a couple fights and it's, you know it's not what it should be and you're not at the level where you should be and then you get back. You finally get to fight in front of your own crowd, in front of family and friends, and then you put the guy out in fifteen, sixteen seconds. But that's just absolutely amazing.
1: Well, Stefan, uh, you're you're a proud Dutchman, you're a high level fighter have been for, for a long time. I gotta ask you, what's what's the development been like in in your home country in terms of the acceptance and popularity of MMA? I'm I'm very curious. I'm going to Europe for the first time in a couple months, hopefully going to Holland. I've met coaches from there, fighters from there. I've never been there. Um, Now that you've gotten to to fight on the big stage in your home, what's the development you've seen there in terms of acceptance of of the sport? Um, It's it's
3: growing and getting better in Holland. A lot of people literally know what to think of it, but... It's not a that it really is a sport. And you know, some people like it, some don't. And you always keep that. Some people like soccer, others don't. Some people like football, others don't. You know, simple as that. But there is a huge fan base um, in Holland, football fights. Uh, we have a huge history, as everybody you know, knows. Not only for kickboxing, but uh, for MMA. Like, even 10, 15 years ago, we had huge events in Holland with ten to 15,000 people in attendance. So, Um, especially now that the sport's cleaned up also in Holland you know it's going to make big steps and you know the are was already talking about coming back next year because like the the crowd and everything and Holland is a great place to be for us and um, it was one of the best fights they did in Europe for a while so
0: now if memory serves me correctly you've been pretty vocal about uh, the Brock Lesnar situation uh, surrounding UFC 200 which has kind of died down now but now that things have settled down, what is your takeaway from that whole situation saga scenario? Uh,
3: you know, the only reason I posted that is that you know I, I can't believe that anybody would be surprised that he he's using something. Just look at that guy. You know, he's, he's a he's a silverback. He looks like a silverback. He, he, was, he was he was even bigger than in his first player with the UFC. But then we didn't have Usada, now we do have um you know, it was just so funny for me to, to see him get caught. It was so obvious. Um, but you never know, because uh, yeah, I, I don't know anything about what what they use, but apparently they he can get out of your system pretty fast and all that. But apparently Mr. Lefman made a mistake somewhere and miscalculated and got caught. So, you know, he comes in, gets each payday cheap, and, um, you know, then you get paid. But... His legacy in the MMA is worth nothing now. You know, you want to bounce back down. He was also injured, more upset. He's you know. just one big lie to me, and he was just funny for me to just see him get caught.
0: And Mark Hunt, who fought him, has been very angry and open about his anger uh, online and via his social media accounts. You, as someone who didn't fight Lesnar but uh, still compete in the UFC, does it anger you as well?
3: Well, I didn't fight him. Uh, I would be pissed off, too, if they catch him before the fight, and then he gets to fight me. And you're fighting, him. I think he was close to 300 pounds on juice. And, you know, his fighting style is based on strength and power, and, you know, the, the stuff he used, that, um, they'll give you a lot more power. So, to have that guy on top of you in, in, in the octagon, yeah, you know, it's... You could have hurt him really bad, and uh, I'd definitely be pissed off with that situation, too, and I think that's one of the things Jusada can improve in, you know, if they catch guys uh, with um, a test to the fight, you know, maybe really get their full pack suit so you don't have situations like this. Because I do think Jusada is doing a great job, and I really love well seeing him catch all these because uh, especially in MMA. you know, in all sports, there there should be no drops. It should be clean. And um if if you use anything and you get caught, that's karma
1: and I love it. Uh, now, uh, Stefan, obviously you probably won't get the chance to do it because I'm assuming Brock won't be fighting again soon. Never gonna fight again man. Come on <laughs> Well I'm assuming he won't. Um, but because of the because of the doping you don't have respect for him. Uh, but if you could, hypothetically, in a dream situation, Stefan, Would you fight Brock Lesnar? Would you have liked to have gotten to to fight him, knowing what you know about him now?
3: 100%. Like, when I saw they announced it, that was one of the first things. I told my manager to get in touch with the UFC. I I had my hand in the cast because I I had surgery the week before. I told them that I would take the cast off and start training that day. They they would give me that fight on four or five weeks notice. No problem. I would have attacked him with one hand. Absolutely.
1: So you're, you're obviously pretty eager to fight again. Um, are you pretty much training to be ready to fight if you get the call at any point, or do you have a, a timetable in mind based on your, your hand recovery?
3: Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just getting back to uh, being able to uh, really do damage with my right hand. I can hit the pads again full power. I haven't hit uh, someone's skull yet, so, you know, we're working back to that. Um, I'm, I'm in shape. Uh, I'm getting ready for training camp because we're uh, we're close to getting a fight sign, and um, yeah, just working hard and hopefully be back as soon as possible to
0: uh, put put down another great performance.
1: Awesome, Stefan Struve. Thanks so much uh, for making time, man. It's good to have him on here.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for having me on, guys.
1: Really cool hearing from from him, man. Uh, he's he's an exciting fighter. Uh, and he's uh, he's very out he's very outspoken man. I, I wanted to hear from him after seeing his tweets about Brock Lesnar. I wanted to hear from him uh, ourselves, and uh, pretty cool to hear he was willing to take off the cast <laughs> a week after getting surgery in order to get a chance to to fight Brock Lesnar. Uh, that's
0: that's just crazy to well, me that you would do that. Uh, you need to focus on your health, but that's just the fighter mentality. Yeah. Um, but the whole situation is interesting, and I think. Why Mark Hunt is upset about it because it directly affected him. It seems like other fighters need to be equally as upset about it. Like they right. only people seem to only necessarily really get upset about it when it maybe directly involves them. Otherwise, it's the same kind of comments that we all make on Twitter or people right. on Twitter make. You know, but I think if more people get on upset about it, there can be kind of a, a little bit of policing in yeah, their own community.
1: Absolutely, I think Mark singlehandedly has has pushed this agenda by refusing to to stop talking about it uh by continually giving interviews and when he doesn't get an interview posting on facebook himself being really vocal about um things that he's upset about and and whatever you may think about the particulars um the the facts the the inarguable facts are very disturbing uh, that once again someone was tested for a ufc fight once again uh drug tested before a fight once again tested positive and yet um Supposedly, the results weren't known until afterwards, and there's just there's a process here that it, that is too slow to keep out people who may be doping or are using other drugs of abuse um, in the ring. And you know, we were at that fight, Mike, and and uh, you know, after the press conference, Mark Hunt shuffled past me. You know, he took bad damage. Like he he's a much smaller man already, taking a fight on relatively short notice, and his he was fighting an opponent that already just by UFC Fiat was not having to go through the normal um, drug testing procedures that a returning athlete out of retirement was going to have to go through. Um, He already knew that. But then he turns out, oh, this guy, you know, he he pops even a few days before and and, and they just don't bother um, to now we're finding out that they could have expedited the uh, the results before a very nominal fee, at least in, in terms of one test would have been, I think, less than $50 and they could have possibly gotten the results back so there's there's real issues here and there's questions in my view about the infrastructure in place for drug testing and if it's good enough to actually do the things that it's saying uh, it can do and one of those things is certainly to try to keep athletes who are doping for a fight out of out of the fight if if they're tested that's not happening USADA uh, has to rely on other labs like in this case I think it was at a UCLA lab so is the infrastructure in place to actually do what we've been told the purpose is if not we cert, you know, that's something we need to we need to work towards, because and, and, otherwise it's 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 bag negligence, you know. And we've got Mark Hunt, who's who's not playing, who didn't have, to, he was not playing on an even playing field, um, in terms of his opponent not having to go through the drug testing he was supposed to, and the opponent popping and still being allowed to fight, and then Mark Hunt criticizes the UFC who employs Usada and criticizes Usada. And what, are they, what is their response? Well, they showed up to drug test Mark Hunt <laughs> recently, and he uh, supposedly, according to Mark Hunt on his Facebook. So this, this whole thing is not a good look. I'm glad that Mark Hunt's talking about. Hey, we need to unionize. Hey, we need to, you know, we need to stand up for these things. You know, I know a lot of fighters are upset about it. A lot of fighters feel the same way Stefan Struve does. and Mark Hunt uh, do, uh, does, even if they're not talking about it. So yeah, hopefully. Keeps their attention at it because otherwise, if there's no pressure, there's, there's nothing will change. There's no incentive for the people in power to make expensive decisions to improve things if, it's, if, there's, no, if there's no pressure from folks. So
0: I'm at a baseball game, mm. and this guy asks <laughs> like, what I do, and I tell him like I write about the UFC. So he, he gets a little – he's a little belligerent maybe, and he's going at me about this John Jones uh, getting his – violating the drug test and getting pulled, and Brock Lesnar violating a drug test before and not getting pulled. And this he drug guy is
1: also a journalist,
0: right? Yeah, he's a he's, he. <laughs> I'm not letting a, this guy slide. Oh, well, I don't want to. <laughs> We're not going to name him, but he's yeah. I don't want to give the free plug. <laughs> he's a Chicago, like he ran a Chicago-only blog. So, anyways, it got into <laughs> the way you said that. <laughs> yeah, it got into <laughs> think of like a. I don't know. It's just all about Chicago, but anyways, he's going off and he's asking me questions at first and trying to understand it, and then he's telling me like my opinions on it's wrong, and I'm I'm you know just reporting what the UFC wants me to report (laughs) and it's like well I'm like well what he failed to understand though is that the timeline for John Jones test and Brock Lesnar's test was the same in terms of like getting the results back and that's what's to be expected the issue and I tried to explain this to him and he didn't and I resisted the urge to tweet uh, Mark Romani's story Adam to be like this is exactly what I told you two weeks ago is that they have the ability to expedite it and they don't exercise it. And I think you have to like, you know, there's the like John Jones test. You know, they say it'll take two weeks to get back. Like they didn't need to expedite that one. But I think Brock Lesnar is like you, I mean, any drug test for any fighter a few days before, not just Brock Lesnar, but any fighter a few days before. Sure. If you're going to do it or a week before you need to try and expedite it to get the results back. Otherwise it's kind of pointless. Um, that being said, uh, i don't know if that's not necessarily 100% sure in how that process works if that's a usada decision or a ufc decision but those lines the fact that
1: those lines are blurred and
0: is a part of the problem i mean my gut instinct is to say that i that think that's a usada thing that like the ufc just kind of takes like they've brought in usada and then they're hands off from that well the ufc would there. have
1: to pay for it. And, it and so it becomes a ufc issue because it's an extra expense
0: okay so i guess i could see that then but um you know it's just it's just why the tests don't mean anything if they still fight. It loses a lot of meaning. That's and for sure. The, the, I want to give a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because he was tested so much and he did pass so many tests. So it's like if you're like, listen, we've tested him six times. They've all been positive. There's no need to expedite this one. So there's part of that in the equation, too. You know what I mean? Like, I guess.
1: But let's keep in mind, I know that's been the line is that he's been tested so much. He passed so many tests. He was tested less than he was supposed to by USADA's own rules. Let's not forget that.
0: Yeah. You know. So, th- I mean, it's definitely. I don't think there's
1: a conspiracy. I just think they're not doing it well oh, enough. this guy. You know, was that's like all. Way up the conspiracy ladder. <laughs> I was like, listen,
0: bro, I'm going to take the tinfoil off the window and I'm going to go outside with the rest of the people. And uh, anyways, we finally had to tell him quietly to mind his own business <laughs> but he uh you know it's it, it's not like i don't know the process just needs to be fixed like no, we no, just need the re- t- re- test results faster it's always you know, harder
1: to do the things really well and it's easier to do things not so well and i think that's what's happening
0: it's just easier to not do everything we could i mean if you mark that you want the drug test results expedited and the expedited results don't come back fast enough and they said very well in Marco Monte's piece that holidays and weekends factor into that. And yeah. it was definitely 4th of July weekend. Sure. So that would have factored into at it. At least you did what you could. It, exactly. I you know. There's a little thing called CYA. Cover your ass. And they did not do that. Right. And you, by doing that, you at least cover all your the right steps so that you f- prevent yourself from being the subject of criticism. Um, or worse. <laughs> let's, right. like, let's see what happens in the future if they continue
1: to be this this boneheaded you know um there's there's other leagues and other athletes taking their leagues to task um, through the courts and saying hey you know we didn't have this and that information available so i hope that never happens i want the sport to continue growing but you gotta you gotta do a little more than lip service
0: to, to health there's a little uncertainty maybe to some degree about the future with the new ownership coming in and what lies ahead but you know while they didn't this situation wasn't necessarily handled the best you know it's still better than what it was
1: um I don't That's know part. that it was. I like I see where you're coming from, but what it used to be would we'd have at least an ostensibly or structurally independent regulator. Right now all we have is the UFC self-regulating. With other other leagues do that as well. The NFL doesn't, and I think there's a real problem with self-regulation. So in some ways, yes, there's more testing happening, so that is better. But I think structurally it's 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 small C corrupt. The U, the U when the UFC self-regulates when the NFL self-regulates.
0: I just it has.
1: It definitionally doesn't have integrity, well, in my view, in my view.
0: Self-regulation will always be viewed that way. It's
1: dubious, yeah, and it should be. It, it, it but like drug
0: testing be. in the UFC, even though they're self-regulating, has improved. It's become more
1: frequent that's,
0: for, frequent, that's for that's for sure.
1: And, and maybe it has improved. Like maybe the science of what the labs are working with are better, and I just don't know it. You know, It definitely has become more frequent. Yeah. So maybe that in itself might be I mean, be a it good seems
0: thing. like it's improved just by the fact of the sheer quantity of fighters who are being
1: yeah. caught now. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's like, true.
0: you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you self-reported a substance right. that led into a violation, you know, and he's off the card. Yeah. And, you know, off the like um, be. no, you know, you know, you know, you know, you
1: know, you know, you know, you for you know, 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 you i you i i I'm, I'm know, you know, you know, you know, the, know,
0: you know, you know, what do you think about Chad Mendez's situation? This wasn't really on our agenda, but since yeah, we're talking yeah, about yeah. this, <sighs> you know, he's suspended for what two years? I think. I and think so. He kind of was he? Kind of went um, said something along the lines of, you know, this was a substance that I forget whether it was tainted or uh, he was just unaware of it or yeah. whatnot. And he's like, but bottom line, I broke the rules, so I'm, I'm going to take the punishment.
1: That uh, that's that says something because the people that have been using this tainted supplement. Uh, excuse with Usada specifically, and uh, then fighting it, they end up getting these reduced suspensions, which again tells me that I guess they didn't really get them. They didn't really have them to begin with, because that that was not something, for example, that we used to fly in Nevada. This is not like that tainted supplement stuff is something that has been used a lot over the years, over the last decade for sure. And I know Nevada specifically you know their practice generally speaking was to say, "Well, it doesn't matter. It's your responsibility to know what was in there, uh, but it's it's been seeming to work more with with usada for for whatever reason, so I think he probably you know <laughs> if I were Chad Mendes, I would feel like I would have reason to believe that if I pursued that. That quote-unquote defense, maybe
0: I would have a chance for success, but he's not even trying. Well, it's the diaz silva and fight thing. (laughs) Silva, Silva offered an explanation and apologized profusely, gets a lighter sense. Nick Diaz pleads the fifth and doesn't play by their rules yeah, and he gets and insulted them. essentially for 5 years and that, that wasn't the reduced no yeah. that was
1: true and that was a that was a, that was a crazy so it's like travesty you got to
0: play like there's still that element to, speaking to your point of yeah. playing the game yeah uh to get what you you know to get what you want but you know the bottom line is it's like a poorly regulated area of supplements yeah. you know you go to you go to any store and you pick up a thing of protein or creatine or amino acids or whatever and there's stickers on it that says banned substances approved well who's De- whose right. list of banned substances right. approved, you know, or who's who's checking all this and all that? But you know, they just can it's throw true. whatever they want on there because of the poor regulation. It is poorly so, regulated, and it's being used by athletes. Poorly sticker. regulated sport, so yeah. it's a lot of problems there. Right. And
1: it's tough. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know how often that is a quote unquote legitimate excuse, even like it's an honest one. Like, hey, it was in the supplement that I used that I was able to buy at over the counter. I don't know how often that's the case. But um, but yeah, it, if it, let's assume it is, it does happen. Let's assume every time someone said that they were just being honest. Yeah, then yeah, then it's uh, it, it, it is tricky. But the reality is, is, high level athletes are using more than you know GNC their GNC card a lot of times. So it's a t- it's a thorny tough issue to deal with because I think it's expected of most top level athletes culturally. At the same token, uh, above the board, it's 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 also a taboo in the
0: greater culture. That's a that's yeah. a weird paradox to have. Yeah, the competition's gotten so high wow. in all sports that people are just constantly looking for an advantage like in every little way. Yeah. I mean, there's just it's ridiculous. There's like a great story about breaking down how um and especially with the Olympics this relates like mm-hmm. the swimsuits, how like the swimsuits allow them to glide through the water. It's just like the technology even like and that's a legal wow. way of helping. Right, right. You know, you gain an advantage. It's true or yeah. No, I mean on, just, I'm sorry. Well, there's just so many ways, you know, to yeah. try and gain an advantage. Like where that. do we draw the line? Yeah, it, there's stem cells uh, stuff,
1: you know, that they're doing to regenerate, you know, like that's clearly awesome and sciency and
0: yeah, <laughs> beneficial, science-y. but it's allowed so far, right? Like, We're, We need, we need like a, see, this where a board off would help because he could give us the <laughs> Jesse Pinkman drop, you know, that's right. that's right. <laughs> science, bitch, <laughs> um, but you know, you Nobody's ever going to stop trying to gain a competitive advantage. I no. you know, remember a couple of years for the Super Bowl when it was like Ray Lewis was using deer antler spray or something. Like it's just you know there's yeah. just so much stuff. But
1: and we celebrate that in like silent ways, like hey they do anything it takes to win. Hey guess what that includes drugs, guys. Like when we celebrate that ruthlessness, we we'll win at all costs. Win at all costs, That's and we definitely say, yeah there you go. That's the message. You know we want faster times, you want harder hits, you want further, uh, you know home runs, like. Listen, we 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 haven't evolved as a human species that much in the last two hundred years, like or the it, last twenty five, <laughs> the years. last twenty five years, exactly yeah, right.
0: Some of these sports records are like getting smashed, yeah.
1: Or the size of, of guys. Look at the offensive line of the eighty five Bears. Great offensive line. They, you know, they, <laughs> they look like linebackers nowadays. Oh, yeah. You know, like oh, it's yeah. it, we didn't become a different species. All right, like our, our 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 diet, our supplementation is improving. Don't celebrate the the outcomes of that that we like. Uh, And ignore the health costs, but then, like, make weird black sheep of of people for
0: using it. And for those who are really curious about uh, the way the drug testing works, this isn't obviously provides a lot of answers, but the the Mac Life, Conor McGregor's Media Empire uh, that he's recently launched, one of the videos he has on his thing is a video of him going through the USADA drug testing process which is really interesting. Uh, he shows them showing up. They actually show up at his home, and he's like, we're headed to the gym. Can we do it there? And they said, yeah, but somebody has to ride with you. So oh, like somebody actually rode with him in the car wow. to the gym to, uh, I guess, make sure there's no funny business that yeah. happens between the time they showed up and then. And then they stare at you urinate as well. Right. Which is awesome. And then, uh, <laughs> there's, it I wasn't, wouldn't be able to do it. They get no sample for me. It wasn't Conor McGregor, but somebody else, like, I guess, tweeted out a picture of it, and there's like the, or a video, or maybe it was from an embedded episode or something. I don't know. And the guy's like in the background, like looking, the USADA guy. It's Great just like the most awkward thing. Great job. He's just like,
1: who, I wonder who they are, too. Like, did he have to get like a chemistry degree to go I don't watch know.
0: They people studied urinate? Better in college, so. <laughs> Gosh. I mean, I, who knows? They could be incredibly qualified science experts or whatever. But, anyways, he goes through the process, and they like offer, they like hand him a package, and it's like, a foam thing and it's sealed and he has to break the seal and then inside's like the tubes and the tubes are sealed and he has to do it and then they make them check for any defects in the tube to make sure that there's like no contamination that way or whatnot. So it's not like they're just like, hey, rinse this one out. Here, you use it now. Yeah, right. You know, so right. like, you can make sure everything's sanitary and whatnot. And at one point, which I found really interesting about the whole thing, is Conor McGregor makes a comment and he's like because he's to a point flabbergasted by the intensity of the making sure everything's sanitary and clean. And he says something to the effects of, you know, the Nevada State Athletic Commission, they didn't give a F, you know, <laughs> and in, in typical Conor McGregor fashion. And it's just like, man, I, you know, wonder what the what the, having never yeah, gone well, through the two, right. what the differences That's are. That's it. Well,
1: they, they started doing, before USADA was hired by the UFC, um, to, like, augment uh, the drug testing that state commissions like Nevada's would do. Nevada did start doing they did start in paper, at least putting doing year round testing and they started showing up a little bit more. They just their, li- their resources are limited. And although they're not hired by the UFC, athletic commissions are informally tied to the to promoters by virtue of the revenue that events the promoters put on bring to their their state. Um, so that's a tough thing, but yeah. So they, it was definitely not as they weren't they didn't have the budget to get around my understanding to get around to do this as much as, as U, UFC uh, funded. We get
0: fighters coming from all over the world. Yeah, it's expensive. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, it's it's crazy. Like I wonder how much well, especially they can if you to like, do,
0: do pop up tests, you know, and you're booking last minute travel or something.
1: Yeah, no, that's it's it's amazing. Like there was a story when, when they showed up to, to test Jose Aldo before the. the fight with Conor McGregor and fiasco there. So yeah, that's kind of crazy, but you know, that I you definitely check that video. I haven't seen I have, have, have to watch that cuz that's uh maybe it's the right thing to do, but man, that's intrusive as all as all hell. Like I I would have a I would have a rule. If you if you're going to watch me, you got to hold it for me, man. Like that's
0: you're going to make this weird. You got
1: to you got to follow through. <laughs> I'm not going to deal with this.
0: It's too much, man. And on that note, I think <laughs> I think we wrap things up. We've uh, we've gone uh, a little bit longer. Than we normally do, but it's because we just had so much fun covering. Oh yeah, I mean, I would do this for hours. But uh, talking to the listeners, they like it. Oh yeah, I hope so. (laughs) They're listening. But uh, thank you all so much for taking the time out to listen to us. Uh, So uh, shameless, selfless plug here. Oh yeah. Please go to iTunes or Google Play and make sure to rate the uh, podcast five stars, preferably, and please leave a review. It's much appreciated. Um, Next week, we got some interviews lined up. We're going to have Anthony Johnson, uh, Glover Teixeira joining us. They fight at UFC 202 alongside uh, Conor McGregor and Adia. So we have those two guests lined up for sure. So you can count on those coming next week. Um, Other than that, thanks for tuning in and uh, make sure to subscribe.